Alrighty, we are ready to get started today. How's everybody doing out there? My name is Andrew Kuhn. I want to thank you very much for tuning in. You are listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast. I am sitting alongside my co-founder here, Mr. Jeff Gannett. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> we're doing great. We're, we're all fired up to talk about some stocks, right? We haven't one done stock, a, yeah. One stock. We haven't talked about an individual stock, uh, so we're excited to do that. I mm-hmm. want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Focus Compounding Podcast. Uh, if you want to get access to our investment idea website, feel free to go to focuscompounding.com and be sure to sign up using the podcast promo code, which is podcast. And what that'll do is it'll take the monthly subscription price of $60 a month down to $50 a month if you choose mm-hmm. the monthly option. We also have an annual option as well, um, but both of those options are there for your choice. So HBB. Yes. This is a stock that um, was spun off from NACO Industries, which mm-hmm. if anyone follows your writing or follows our website, NACO is obviously the stock that you put 50% in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could definitely talk about what you like more about uh, NACO instead of HBB and what drew you more to that. Uh, but the current price of HBB is $27.95, um, as I'm reading this off. Okay. Uh, market cap, $382 million. They have some debt, so the enterprise value is $465 million, And they have about $13.7 million shares outstanding okay and it is currently trading around 11 times enterprise value to ebitda all right so that's a good um a good starting point um for that so before i guess we talk about it um do you still own naco industries i do own naco i don't own hbb you do not so what drew you actually to naco instead of hbb uh well the the prices are different now than they were then so uh so naco spun off with no uh, debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has some liabilities, but no actual debt. And um, HPB spun off with debt, mm-hmm. and HPB spun off at a higher price. Uh, NACO's price is higher now than it was at the time of the spinoff. HPB's price is lower now than it was at the time of the spinoff. Yeah, and that's a good, and for a summary for everybody, Hamilton Beach Brands, uh, they opened up post-spin around $32.86. Uh, they quickly ran to about $41 per share, and then they fell back to around $20.97. And now it's currently sitting around $27 in and 95 cents so mm-hmm. we did take a look at the company yep and we thought like it was sort of back in that interesting um um interesting spot of where it's trading it's only uh, on a valuation purpose so we uh, decided that we would talk about it uh for hpb for um their revenue um, about 83 percent or 615 million comes from hbb okay. which is um their their uh, crock pot and and uh, toasters and blender division if anyone's been down walmart um or has been down like kohl's is where else they sell them mm-hmm. um you will see i'm sure you're very familiar with with their products and then the other 17 percent of their revenue which is about 128 million comes from kitchen collection okay which is sort of the problem child in the business right mm-hmm. and what is kitchen collection so kitchen collection sells it's a retailer um, I've actually seen only one in my life. The kitchen collection? Yeah. And I believe it was at an outlet mall Okay, in Illinois, mm-hmm. which is where I'm from. And I'm pretty sure the outlet mall shut down now. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe so, that's a, yeah. So kitchen collection doesn't contribute any meaningful profit for them. No. So so, it, so even though it contributes uh, a meaningful amount of revenue, it doesn't it, it doesn't really add to the valuation of the company, right? Yeah. And, and the company's actually, they're switching. They're looking to have, I think they said, maybe 80 to 90% of the leases on a one-year lease by the okay. end of 2018. Um, they're being prudent in it, uh, I guess, in how they're handling uh, the operations, but 
for the value case for HBB as a stock. I didn't mm-hmm. um, I didn't subscribe any value to HBB. I nope. mean, to a kitchen yeah. collection. So you've been researching the stock recently, right? I have been. Uh, so what did you do to research it? What did you look at? Uh, did you look at some comparables? How did you value it? Yep. So um, what I did was I read their most recent annual report and the investor presentation, some of the conference calls, because I was already familiar with the company from when we went over right. NACO about whatever that was about eight months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just sort of getting caught up on, on the situation. And um, I did look at the comparables of, of the of the business and the comparables that I used um, was, I, don't know, I think, am I pronouncing it right? Newell Brands, is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Newell Brands, Lifetime Brands, Stanley Black & Decker Inc. and Whirlpool Corporation. Okay. And to so, sort of compare it to those, um, as I said, HBB is trading at an EV to EBITDA of 11 times um, and a debt to EBITDA of two times. Mm-hmm. And comparing it to all of those NWLs trading at 11 times, but they have a debt to EBITDA of five times. Um, Lifetime Brands is a debt to EBITDA of 16 times, okay. if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. And they're trading at an EV to EBITDA of 27. Stanley Black & Decker Inc. is a debt to EBITDA of two times or EV to EBITDA of 13 times. And Whirlpool is a debt to EBITDA of three times and trading at an EV to EBITDA of nine times. Okay. Um, another thing I did, though, was I went and looked at um, past acquisitions that have happened in this space mm-hmm. and um, Noel paid 13 times EBITDA for Jardin back in I think it was 2016 okay. and when I was reading in the proxy statement um, of that acquisition it went over a lot of other similar transactions and the EBITDA reference range that they used was 12 to 14 times Okay. so when I was thinking about valuing um, this, I used 12 to 13 times, which I thought was relatively fair for the business. Okay. And those acquisitions were during the period before the tax cut or after the tax cut? It was, um, before the tax cut. Before the tax cut. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this company will pay less in taxes in the future than did in the past, right? It will. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so these are like Jardin and companies like that are companies that sell a lot through Walmart. Uh, Amazon, I think we didn't Mm -hmm. mention, but, but HPB would be one of the biggest, uh, probably one of their biggest customers is Amazon, we assume. Yeah. And if you think about the pricing or the actual products, Mm -hmm. and and I know you and I sort of talked about this off air, wouldn't you agree that it's probably a product that's not going to change a lot within the next 10 years Right. where, um, you know, toaster ovens and and blenders. And I don't think that's something that's necessarily going to change. I think we're still going to toast our toast the same way and, and use the crock pots the same way and the coffee makers the same Mm -hmm. way. And, and I was also thinking about like what a company like Apple or Amazon, or somebody else come into this space to sort of do their own version of it. And I don't necessarily think it will. Right. I mean, if you talk about HPB, their um, long-term goals and, and revenue is $750 million to a billion in sales. And I just don't think that's right. really... And do you know how many product categories that's across? How many products they sell? 50, I believe is okay. what it says. 48 to 50. All right. And they're a leader in roughly how many, would you say? Like in the top two or three? Yeah, I think a lot, yeah. 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 So if you can do the division there to try to figure it out... But you can see that they're not making six hundred million on one product. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I mean in revenue they're not doing six hundred million. Yeah. So we're talking about, and their EBITDA margins normally about what? Was it? I think around seven to eight. I, I think. Okay, and what's I their have. target? What's their goal? Their target is EBIT margins of eight to nine percent. Okay, and so DNA and that's EBIT is yeah, what so, percent so of sales is DNA usually? So, so DNA, I mean EBITDA would be around I think eleven percent is what, okay. or ten to eleven percent is what I use. And they're one of they're probably the biggest company in in the space, but they're one of the biggest certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we don't think anyone else could have higher EBITDA margins than them. No. Okay. And that's if you're selling dozens of categories. Yeah. And and the business itself, when you're thinking about the business, it's a very 
high return on capital business because mm -hmm. they outsource all the manufacturing. Okay. I think total, I don't have the number in front of me, but total CapEx for 2018, I think they're expecting it to be only like 10 million or something like that. Okay. And I think 500 grand was to kitchen collection. So they're really not doing anything there. And then the rest was to maintenance. I think 5 million was for growth. So mm -hmm. it wasn't, yeah, it's not. Right, but if you think about it, let's say someone wants to enter just toasters or just microwaves or whatever. Mm -hmm. How much EBITDA could they be producing for that? If you're a leader, maybe you have ten or twenty million dollars in in, um, in EBITDA. You certainly don't have sixty million, which is what the entire company is yeah. hoping to do one day. Yeah. Um, so it's a small uh, addressable market. Yeah, really. it's definitely a niche. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The way I thought about valuing it is, I kind of did like a best valuation case and then a worst valuation case. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, I think twelve to thirteen times is probably pretty fair for okay. a company like them. Um, uh, based on um, comparable to uh, their peers and then also past acquisitions. Uh, but I did a five-year. I mean, you and I always talk mm -hmm. about, think about what a business will look like in five years. And this is the best case scenario. Okay. Um, five years, they hit their target of $750 million in revenue. Which this is, is about just for HBB, not Kitchen yep, Collection, just right? HBB. I didn't okay. subscribe anything to Kitchen Collection. Where are they now in sales, HBB? Uh, $615 million. Okay, so, so it's good. They go from 615 to 750 Yep, so that's about 4% per year for the next five years. Okay. They achieved their 10% EBITDA margin, which mm -hmm. produced around $75 million in EBITDA. Tw 12 times that is around $900 million. Okay. 13 times that is around $975 million, which that's the range that I use. Mm -hmm. HBB, they do about 20, they should do about $20 million in free cash flow per year. Okay, in those so, five years, each of those yeah, five years. So if you think about for the next five years, that's about $100 million. All right. right. Um, over the next five years, they have about $85 million in debt. Okay. So to be conservative, I just kind of said they canceled each other out. Mm -hmm. I didn't go down to the last decimal point. I just right. said, okay, let's just cancel this out. They have 13.7 million shares outstanding. Mm -hmm. So if you add all that up, around at 12 times, that's $65 a share, which is an 18% annual return from today okay. per year, mm -hmm. or 13 times, it's $71 per share, or 20% annual return. Okay. Now that's them hitting 750 million in sales within five years, which right. is 4% per year, which I think they mm -hmm. could and, do. And the company hasn't guided to when they'll hit that, but that's they their goal. So they their goal is 750 to a billion one day? Yep, 750 to a billion. So what I did to be conservative was I just thought, okay, let's see if they can hit 750 million in five years, and let's see what the business could look like. Right. Right. The worst case, which okay. is the worst case, right? When I was thinking about handicapping it and mm -hmm. being conservative, worst case is let's say it takes them 10 years to hit that. Right. So 750 million in revenue within 10 years. It's about two percent a year for the next 10 years, which is okay. about the rate of inflation. Sure. Right? right now, yeah. Um. 10% EBITDA margin, which again would produce 75 million. Mm -hmm. The math is all the same. It just changes the IRR. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they sh again, they should do about 20 million free cash flow. So that's actually 200 million over the next 10 years, mm -hmm. right? Two 20 million per year times 10. Right. Um, so I said, maybe they'll have net cash, but I guess I'm just not for this investment case. I'm just going to leave that out and say, that's just, I guess the chair on top of the value cake okay. is what I did. Mm -hmm. um, they have 13.7 million shares outstanding. So at 12 times, that's $65 per share, which over the next 10 years would be an 8% annual return. Okay. And at 13 times, that's $71 per share or 9% annual, annual return. Okay. My crystal ball is not as good as yours or, or any better than yours on mm -hmm. what the market's going to do. But I know we've sort of maybe 4 to 5%. I'm not sure. If you okay. want to think about outperforming the market. Um, you know, I think it makes pretty interesting. When you're just running some of the, the rough numbers on the math, I think it's, it's pretty interesting on where it's trading. Uh, today and the return that you could potentially get because mm -hmm. let's say it takes them 10 years let's say it takes them only six or seven then of course those numbers obviously you get that that better rate okay so faster. what do you think the risks are with the stock i think the risks are um that kitchen collection i didn't 
mm-hmm. I didn't put any value on it. There, I guess there could right. be negative value, which of sure. course could um, could hurt their business. I think um, in a recession, they could be affected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I would say pretty much those are those. Are they the have some risks. debt. Yeah, they do. Eighty-five million in debt. So HBB has debt, and Kitchen Collection has leases. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get the leases so that they're cancelable within one year. They'll run out in one year. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, if a recession happened while Kitchen Collection um, still had a lot of leases, they could, you know, on the fixed costs, it could lose a lot of money in one year. Sure. Um, what if people are never willing? Investors are never willing to pay that kind of EBITDA uh, multiple. Sure. Yeah, that could so, also. So why would that be? Why wouldn't they want to pay that much? Because the business isn't growing as fast, potentially. Okay, so how fast has this business grown historically? Um, I, I don't have that right in front of me, but I, I'm pretty sure it was, it was in the single digits. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, I mean, four percent. I didn't think was too out of the crazy, out of the, mm-hmm. out of the realm for them. Yeah. So, do you think they have pricing power? Um, I think that they do. Okay. But at the same time, though, I mean, we talked a lot about their pricing point, mm-hmm. and now that's pretty. Um, how that's obviously like pretty competitive for them. Um, I mean, I don't think they have pricing power like Seas Candies has pricing power. Okay. Yeah, but the pricing you, point that they're in is like twenty dollars to thirty dollars. It's it's relatively cheap. I think okay. it's even less than that. But you know? to hit say two percent, three percent, whatever inflation is, mm-hmm. you think they can do that on the same unit volume that they can raise the prices in line with inflation, faster, slower? Well, we we looked back mm-hmm. at um, what did we go back to the first ninety one? Yeah, it was yeah. ninety one, and and that's the concerning part. Mm-hmm. I would say is that um, we did we inflation adjusted their their um, their revenue, yeah, and it was it really hasn't changed as much. It's really only kind of kept up with inflation. With inflation, I, okay. correct, right? Yeah, yeah, and some of the comparables for the acqui- for the past acquisitions are food companies. Mm-hmm. Now the interest and they often traded the same sort of EBITDAs as as this company multiple. Um, the interesting thing with them is they often have, they do keep pace with inflation, yeah, but lower unit volume. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, Heinz or whatever will sell a little less ketchup this year than they did last year, right? But they'll be able to charge the same price for it in real terms. With this company, I'm not sure if they'll, uh, it, they might do the same unit volume, but but not higher prices over time. Sure, yeah. you know, so that's a that's a concern. So then it becomes an issue of capital allocation. Mm-hmm. If they're not growing that fast, they'll have a lot of capital to allocate, right? Yeah. So they pay a dividend. Uh, they do actually. Okay. I think do they buy one, back stock? Yeah, they uh, they did an announce a share repurchase uh, uh, thing that they're a program that they're doing, and I think they do pay about a one point eight percent dividend as well. You, you said debt; they have eighty million debt. Eighty five ish. Eighty five. Okay. Yeah. Now fifty million of that is just from NACO. That mm-hmm. when that NACO gave them that yeah. that debt was part of the deal when they yep were the, the, the sweetheart parting gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think in terms of will they always keep their debt around two times EBITDA? What do you think? Um. I don't actually know. I don't know if I, I actually saw that management, um, what they said they, would, they mm-hmm. were going to do with that. I can't, not that I recall right now. Um, but, you know, I mean, two times EBITDA, I could see them paying that down. So, because, I mean, that's not, mm-hmm. again, what else are they going to do with their capital? Well, they know? could acquire something. Yeah. So that's a question. And mm-hmm. and acquisitions in this space can be pretty expensive. Sure. So is that something you think they'll do? And is that a concern? Um it could be. I mean, if, I mean, if they're just going to roll it up within their their the categories that they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other possibility, is someone could acquire them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how likely that is because of the family control here. Yeah. Which, right. So, yeah. so none of so far, none of NACO's companies that have been broken up off of NACO have acquired. ever been acquired. Yeah, yeah. Because of the control. Yeah. yeah. Um, Why do you think that they spun it off? Uh, to have it valued by the market separately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked a little bit about this in their past, but the company diversified 
the family got rich off of coal originally moved into sort of safer things with coal tried to diversify without having a taxable event i think mm-hmm. and then a sense spun those things off yeah um is this a stock that you think you would buy uh, it's a stock i consider sure yeah yeah definitely yeah i think um where it's trading today it's, it's pretty i thought it was pretty interesting all right so why do you think naco and hbb when they spun off were at the prices they were because that's not when i read write-ups that people had that's not the prices they expected for those two stocks. Um, I would say, I mean, I think the move in NACO surprised a lot of people. If you're listening, the initial move from like yeah. thirty-two to forty-seven, yeah. and then yeah, okay. yeah. If, if you're listening to a lot of the, um, like the conference call, the NACO's first conference call, I believe mm-hmm. it was. I mean, there's some guy on there saying pretty much like, I don't understand why I made this money or right. something. Yeah. Didn't he? Wasn't he being kind of like pompous in that regard? Yeah, I don't remember yeah, what it he was. was. Asking, well, I don't. I mean, I'm not complaining that I. Made no, money, of course but, not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. I don't. I don't necessarily know why. I mean, HBB ran pretty quickly too mm-hmm. to forty one dollars a share, and then it sold off. Um, but maybe it's just the initial reaction. I'm not quite honest. I don't have the right answer for that. Yeah, I think that the valuation put on HBB generally by people before the spinoff was pretty high from the write ups that I saw. Yeah, that's the portion they expected to account for a big part of the total value afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think? Why do you think a lot more people were interested in HBB and the NACO? Is it just because you don't think they? understood fully with NACO or NACO is a coal company. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and HBB was the spin. Yeah, I so think people are generally tried to this, the spin off actually. I mean, yeah. special situations investors are generally more tried to the spin off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, NACO had all the reasons to be hated, I guess you could say by the market. Yeah. Although it's interesting. HBB has the debt, mm-hmm. you know, that was part of the deal of, of what happened there. Yeah. There was also the complication with HBB that they, you also got the, uh, the A shares and the B shares. And so then it would take a little time to convert. So maybe, yeah. People, like, if they went to their broker doing that, it took a couple weeks if they wanted to sell immediately. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that really had an impact or not. Cool. Well, we really want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to us here today. You are listening, of course, to the Focus Compounding Podcast. If you want to get access to Jeff's weekly memo that he sends out, 500-plus words on an investment principle every Sunday morning, go to focuscompounding.com, and on the homepage, you will see a place for you to add in your email, and that will put you on the distribution list, and you can expect a memo from Jeff every Sunday morning. I want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you in the next podcast. Take care.